0: Today is Easter Sunday, and we say, He is risen. So before I begin my sermon, would you pause with me for just a brief prayer? Loving God, when the women came to a tomb in the early morning, you startled them with life and love, a life and a love that is stronger than death. And so we have come here this morning. Startle us with a truth so big it takes our breath away. Startle us in the middle of the routines of living, with life and love stronger than death. We ask this through Jesus Christ our risen Lord. Amen. And so we have our text from Mark's gospel. And if you open up your Bibles at home, almost every single Bible that has been printed lets you know that after verse 8, it says, this is where it ends. But then there's still verses 9 through 20. But let's look at these first eight verses. When the Sabbath Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene And Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll the stone for us to the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb... They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised, he is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And I want to stop just very briefly here. Why is Peter singled out here? Why is Peter singled out? He was one of the disciples. Why the disciples and Peter? Well, Peter is going to experience sort of a resurrection in his own life. Peter, who three times denied even knowing Jesus, was one of that number that all ran away. Peter must have been doubting himself terribly, and yet Jesus saw something in him. Jesus knew that this was the man with the power of the Holy Spirit who was going to be able to to launch the church, a church that is still going strong. So tell the disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out from the tomb and fled, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That's kind of a weird way to end that story, isn't it? They come. They're terrified. They're told he's going to go before you. And then they just... Mark leaves it hanging right there. Didn't Mark believe in resurrection? Well, we know, of course, Mark believed in resurrection. At the transfiguration, as they're coming down the mountain, Jesus says to those disciples, you know... Tell no one other what you had seen until after the Son of Man has been risen from the dead. And at the Lord's Supper, the way Mark tells it, he says again, But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. The same thing this holy visitor said to those women. Mark didn't include any of the dramatic resurrection accounts. No, those would come in the second century And so as we heard at our service last night, if worshipers do not experience Jesus as dead, they can hardly experience him as resurrected. And so when Mark ends this gospel this way, he puts it on us. He puts it on you and me as we encounter it. Do we read the end of Mark as the end of the story? Or is it just the beginning of a different story? My wife and I go over the text that I'm going to going to be speaking about, and, and when she and I go over this text, you know, she loves movies. She just loves movies, and she says, oh, it seems like a wonderful ending to a movie that really is crying out for a sequel, crying out for a sequel, and now what? And we know that the sequel is what we are living in. It is our reality. So some scholars suggest that, that Mark's gospel actually did have more in it at the end, and it just got lost throughout history. Others have a more dramatic account. He was writing during a time of persecution, and they try and paint the picture that as he is finishing the very last of his gospel, he is captured and taken away. I don't know that I buy that one at all. I'm in the group of the other scholars that really suggest that Mark intentionally ends his gospel this way in order to convey a message that the story is not done what God is doing is not finished, it is only the beginning. And so I love the way Mark ends his gospel, the way he, pre- he ends it precisely because it is not neat. He doesn't try to explain what happened. He makes no claims, just announces that this tomb is empty and that if you're coming to look for someone who is alive, don't look at for where they put dead people. But I also love it with this imagery. He is going ahead of you, ahead of you. The definition of disciple is one who is a follower, and you can't be a follower unless there is someone who is ahead of you. And so Mark doesn't give us proof of resurrection with the resurrection experience of Jesus in the flesh. Mark leaves us with these three women. Now, we heard last night, in the way Matthew tells this story, that at least two of these three women were there. They were there as the ravaged, bloody, and lifeless body of Jesus was laid into a tomb that was then sealed. These women must have felt that they had to be there. There was something compelling them to be there. We know that everyone else had run away or abandoned Jesus, but these women are there. And as dusk turned into darkness, it must have taken all their strength to just leave that space. I have shared that when I'm doing a service of committal, whether we're placing a casket into the ground or, or ashes, when the words and the prayers are done and the service is over, I try and stay as long as I can. Because in my experience, for many, many people, leaving that casket behind or leaving the, those ashes is the final goodbye and they're oftentimes not ready for it. In the hearts of these women and faithful disciples everywhere, Jesus was taken too soon. And so they were there. And I imagine that they had made a vow with each other that they were going to come back, that they were going to keep this tomb, this cemetery site neat and orderly. They were going to do anything they could to maybe beautify it. They were going to make uh, regular trips there to remember the love of Jesus, to remember his teachings, to almost try and hear his voice again. But what we found out today, to their amazement, when they show up at the tomb and they're told he is not there, he is risen, he has gone ahead of you, they realize and they must have been so excited that they're not going to have any need to go back to that site again because he is not there, he is risen, he is risen indeed. So these three women are told go and tell and yet they do not. They say nothing to anyone the way Mark leaves it. They are afraid. There is no shout of victory, only astonished silence. There is no leap for joy, only running in fear. They were told to go and tell, and yet they said nothing to anyone. But we know that they would regain their voices. We know that they would proclaim that he has been risen and that he is going ahead of anyone who would follow You know, Mark has kind of withheld references to these female disciples until this time, and it is their time. And the only hope that the story will go on, the way Mark leaves it, is if these women share the good news, and the good news they did. The story will go on, and and as it goes on, we step into the future. One of my favorite preachers, a man named John Buchanan, who is retired long ago now, Wrote this, Easter is an ideal day for us to shake off nostalgic notions of faith and to get serious about God's confidence in the future. One of our most unfortunate mistakes is to view the Bible mostly as a book about the past. It certainly contains an ancient record, but its direction is forward, not backward. And yet there's something about all of us that we like to look backward Facebook's presence on the earth has kind of made sure that a lot of people are stuck looking backward, and yet we are called to look forward, and yet we keep looking back to try and retrieve or preserve the past because it feels more manageable than trying to discern a future that is greatly unknown. Not a single one of us here today knows what tomorrow will bring We're drawn to the rearview mirror, we're drawn to the scrapbooks of faith, to trudge to the cemetery, the warm sentiments of childhood church, and yet the God of Scripture is always out ahead of us. This risen Christ is always out ahead of us, leading us into the future, and that is the nature of God, to move forward into the future. Now, I don't think I've ever really talked about Moses on an Easter morning sermon, but we know that kind of at the very beginning of this, Moses is out there and he has this encounter with God. And Moses says, tell me who you are. Who am I supposed to say that you are? Now, my NRSV Bible has Jesus or has God saying, I am who I am. But friends, the Hebrew verb is not present tense. I will be what I will be is the way of God saying, my name is the very nature of God, is future tense. And the Apostle Paul gets it when he says, straining forward, not looking behind, I I move forward. And Jesus tells his followers to keep their hand to the plow and to not look back. And that's the same message that this divine visitor shares with these women. He is going ahead of you. He is not just stuck in your memories, alive and out in front. And so, friends, I hope you really uh, reflect uh, today and, and this, this whole year on the fact that Easter is not past tense. Easter is not just a historical event. Easter is a movement forward, and Jesus is out in front of us. It's not what happened, it is what is happening, and it is what will happen. That's where our Easter faith comes in. Wouldn't it be great? Can we even imagine how different life would be if, before every appointment, before every phone call, before every destination, we could recognize that we have been actually anticipated? That God is out in front of us? That the risen Christ showed up to set things into motion prior to our arrival? To live with this kind of perspective, it would be nothing less than Easter faith at its best. Scholar, professor, preacher, uh, N.T. Wright talks about Easter. He says, The resurrection declares that the cross was a victory, not a defeat. The deepest meanings of the resurrection have to do with new creation. It is God's new world brought to birth. When Jesus emerged, transformed from the tomb on Easter morning, it was the first day of God's new week. The moment of sunrise after a long night. The resurrection of Jesus means, it says, right, that the present time is shot through with great significance. What is done for the glory of God in the present is genuinely building for God's future, acts of justice and mercy, the creation of beauty and the celebration of truth, deeds of love and creation of communities of kindness and forgiveness. These all matter. And they all matter forever, end quote. The man in dazzling white said he is going ahead of you to Galilee just as he told you. And we say, why Galilee? Well, friends, that's where it all began. Galilee is home for them. It's where they have lived. It's where they have families. It's where they work and play. Galilee is, metaphorically and literally, the daily routine. That's where the risen Lord promises to meet them, and that's where the risen Lord promises to meet us. The risen Christ comes to us not always in the places that we expect, not in the structures that we have made for him, not in religious tradition and rites, liturgies, or creeds, or even church buildings. He promises to be where we work, where we live, where we play. He promises to bring the hope and life of rebirth, and love, and new possibilities into our lives. Even in the most ordinary and mundane times, he is going ahead of you, there. They were told to Galilee, I say to you, he is there, ahead of you. The story is not over. The story is being lived out. He is there ahead of you, in your life, in your future, and yes, in your death. You will see him just as he told you. And because of that, friends, we don't need to be afraid. The future, yes, will, continue, will have its limits. It'll have its diminishment and loss, but it will also contain, our future life with our Easter faith will contain a love that is stronger than death. And people who have an Easter faith have a life with Jesus in it, a perfect life of love with the risen Christ out in front. And that, dear friends, is God's word to you and me not just on Easter Sunday, but every day for Easter people, go beyond the move, Christian people, because he is out in front of us. He who has gone into darkness for us, he who has gone into death for us, he has conquered that death, and there is nothing to fear. And so, yes, we're called to follow Jesus beyond Easter. Now, I don't believe that the joy and hope of Easter is enough. We must be inspired by this joy and hope to take the next step to live out Jesus' life in our own lives. We must let that joy and hope fill our hearts and compel us to live a life of love, love for God and love for each other. If all we do is celebrate Easter with all its trappings, it's not enough. If Easter is just about Easter bonnets, if Easter is just about Easter eggs, if if Easter is just about the Easter bunny, which, by the way, when my sister was five, she swears she saw the foot of the Easter bunny in her house. We also had cats. It might have been a cat, but she was five. No, no Easter needs to be more. On that very first Easter, something in the world changed And on this Easter, something has changed once again, but that change will never ever be complete unless we move beyond the empty tomb and go out into the world that needs to be changed as well. And so, Easter people, because of Easter, we can care passionately. Because of Easter, we can love without reservation. Because of Easter, we can give our lives to our dearest one and also to the causes we care most about. We can give our lives to justice, to peace, to church, and to God's living, breathing kingdom here on earth. Go, is what he said. Christ Jesus will be there ahead of you. Jesus faced the worst that could happen to him. Jesus faced cruelty, torment, humiliation, and abandonment. Jesus, for you and I, walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and he is going ahead of us into whatever future is out there. He is already there. He will be there. He will be there tomorrow and the next day and every day, up to and including the last day and beyond. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thanks be to God. Amen.